Hey, everybody, welcome back to Shatzer Says. This is season two, episode two, and I have a special guest, a longtime friend of mine. I'm going to call this episode, you've heard of, you know, Sam Adams, Brewer Patriot. This is my next guest. I'm going to call it uh, Brewer Tar Heel, if you will. Uh, although he's not born and bred here, he has lived here a long time. But my guest today is Steve Steinbacher from Cabarrus Brewing in Concord, North Carolina, one of my former homes for about 15 years. So I've known Steve a long time. So welcome to the show, Steiny. How are you doing, man? Jatzer, it's good to see you, my old friend, and uh, someone who I've always held in the highest regard, both in terms of coaching skills, but also comedy skills. <laughs> I don't think I've ever laughed harder with you than when in those days we were coaching JV football at Robinson. <laughs> I honestly think that's the most fun I ever had actually collecting a paycheck. I, yeah, and you were a hell of a world history teacher too, Steiny. So, you know, you uh, you brought a lot to the staff. And yes, we laugh a lot. I still use jokes at home with the boys that stuff you say and, you know, stuff you said before in coaching and you're hilarious yourself. So, but we're here today to talk about you, Steiny, and the Cabarrus Brewing. I know you got a lot of exciting things going on. How long has the brewery been in existence like when when was the opening day that you served your first beer what year was that actually mike it was uh, it's a timely question because i think it was yesterday five years ago um <laughs> we actually we actually had a soft opening on saint patty's day which again if you if you had to plan a good uh grand opening uh you know there are a few handfuls of uh big drinking days well saint patty's day sure is one of them yes so our fifth anniversary was just this past uh Actually, yet yesterday, I think the the 18th was our official right. first full day of operation. But obviously, we we have been unable to celebrate in grand style like we have over the uh, the previous four years. But it's been five years, uh, five years of a lot of fun, a lot of sweat, a lot of stress. But all in all, something that I you know had a great time doing and and, and look back with nothing but uh, a lot of a lot of pride and uh, satisfaction. I bet. I mean, that's it's ironic that it was yesterday, five years ago. So it's a good timely. I mean, I've been tracking you down, trying to get you to do an interview. So I'm glad I finally got you wrote down. But, you know, because now that you're a grandpa, you know, so now you're a grandpa, Steiny. So congratulations on your first grandchild. Changes everything, man. It really does. It seems like yesterday we were out there coaching and uh, my oldest, Michael, was throwing one of those little freebie footballs that they give away at all the games <laughs> on the track. I know yeah. he is uh, the father of a beautiful little girl. That's so, that's awesome for you, you and Erica. I mean, we're so happy for you guys. And I mean, great kids. I mean, you guys, you and you and Erica are just blessed. I mean, you know, beautiful family. I mean, college football players and Sammy's at App State and just, you know, congratulations. And uh, it's great how all your kids went to college in the state of North Carolina, which they didn't leave the, the Tar Heel State. Now, M Michael's in med school, correct? Michael is in med school. He actually just completed his third year. So he has one more year. And then, uh, again, looks to want to stay here in the area, which is nice. Um, you know, his, his wife is uh, a high school sweetheart. I don't know if you remember Jordan Bird uh, from the Robinson days. I guess not. They were, they were, well, they were well after you. Uh, it yeah. seems like yesterday. I'll always look at you as a Robinson guy. <laughs> but uh, you know, she's her family's from Mount Pleasant. So they're all here. They... They, they, they don't want to go anywhere. So they're local, um, you know, and, and, and doing great. Ethan's doing well, working for a, a pretty cool little drone company out of Charlotte. Wow. Uh, having just graduated from Davidson, had a wonderful four-year career. Yep. It's there. So again, 
life is good, you know? And I mean, again, there's a lot of luck that goes into these things. You know, we've been fortunate, great kids, a uh, lot of help from family. Um, you know, just, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I always heard so many people complain about the local schools. I'll tell you, we had a wonderful experience uh, in Cabarrus County with our kids and at, at every level. And we're just, we're just thankful for it all. I, I agree. You know, and honestly, Stiney, I'd still be in Cabarrus County schools. If the pay was just better, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just a greedy bastard, but I, I needed to have more money for teaching that I, I worked so hard and they just didn't pay teachers what they should in North Carolina. So any of my North Carolina teachers listen to this, the, the struggle is real, but well, you know, uh, but, teachers are paid well anywhere. I mean, yeah. there is no question that there is no greater undervalued profession uh, than teaching. And I, you know, that was t- to me, especially now, as I see these kids that, you know, good old, you remember Will Salt, he came into the brewery the other day and, you know, I see these guys all the time now and, you know, what a, what a great kid he was. Now he's got two kids of his own. Wow. And, and, you know, we were fortunate to make an impact on them. Yeah, I think so. Big impact on kids top to bottom and every stretch of the, of the, of the continuum, the education continuum. And teachers just aren't paid anywhere near enough. And it's just ridiculous. Well, I agree. In this last year of education, I mean, Stani, I haven't been in the classroom in over a year. So <clears throat> my last day of, of teaching students face-to-face now, although I teach virtual and I, I control the computer lab and all that stuff at my school in my regular day job. And now I like, I do it off the whole entire, just, you know, the whole building or whatever, but it's been over a year since I've been in school. So it's been hard on the teachers, you know, as well. But I, I'm very fortunate myself, you know, the boys are, 15 and 13 amy's got a good job she's worked the entire time you know but uh i've been vaccinated so i'm, I'm good you know I'm, I'm feeling good so i'm we're both blessed so i'm going to continue you know on this friday make sure you're not eating any meat today for steiny it's friday during lent you know so have your seafood there's, there's a pretty big burger challenge going on here in cabarrus county so i can't i may have to put my religious beliefs aside <laughs> well we're going to talk about that in a second steiny but so anyways the thing about you that amazes me steiny you're a radnor pennsylvania native you're a mainline guy correct absolutely i mean i still remember that uh imitation you used to do of benaric at some banquet you went to and he did a speech and you're like don't do drugs or whatever he says at the end you know so it you're a 33 game uh, <laughs> banquet and i mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was it was just a rambling nonsense of nothing. And you know, he talked more about, you know, how he hated Kathy Lee Gifford because she always criticized his hit on her husband. But it was hilarious. And, it, you know, this whole rambling nonsense, nonsense speech ends with, you know, oh, and don't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So you're a Philly guy. I know you're an Eagles fan. Uh, maybe not openly, but you're, you, you got to be an Eagles fan, you're a Phillies fan, but how did you end up at Chapel Hill all the way from Radnor, PA? I mean, that's, why didn't you go to like Rutgers or Penn State or somewhere well, like that? It's, it's funny, Mike, you know, I had never been to North Carolina other than as a child on my way to Florida. We used to go there. I had a great aunt and uncle that always wanted to go to Florida. So we used to get in the uh, Country Squire wooden paneled station wagon. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we would fight who got to be in the very back. Um, and we would no drive to Florida. No, absolutely not. And we would drive <laughs> drive to Florida. And all I remember about North Carolina was this is where cheap cigarettes were. You know, it, it, it was cheap. So you got to stop and get cigarettes in North Carolina. And then, uh, you know, that was it. I had no recollection of North Carolina uh, whatsoever beyond that. And um, having been fortunate enough in, in high school to, to start getting recruited, um, you know, I had always 
intended to go to Penn State. I mean, Penn State was where my father played. Um, you know, that that's to me that was like going to the 13th grade. It was just a it was just the next step in the educational process. Was recruited to play football at Penn State, and uh, back then, you know, you you didn't start getting recruited when you were in eighth grade like they do today. Or right, it's you know. Early in your senior year, you started getting mail and you started getting posters and you started getting all sorts of stuff. And then it really wasn't until towards the end of your senior year and even right after when things actually got serious about recruiting. And it was right at that time, the, the one coach, and, and typically, as you know, you develop relationships with the assistant coaches that recruit you. Right. You, know, you don't know the head coach from Adam, nor do you would you really even know your position coach. Well, the coach that was recruiting me for Penn State was a guy named Dick Anderson who had been there a long time and right about the time when you know it was getting serious in terms of recruiting he left and took the head job at Rutgers uh, and so ultimately you know he stopped recruiting me from Penn State no one really stepped in and recruited our area you know the suburbs the mainline area if you will of, of Pennsylvania and uh, went to Rutgers encouraged me to consider going to Rutgers but really again I had no desire to go to Rutgers and uh, it was uh, about the same time that both Duke and North Carolina recruited me very hard. Uh, uh, Coach Cuomo out of Duke, and at the time it was Randy Walker out of uh, Chapel Hill. And again, I remember asking my dad, I said, Dad, what's North Carolina like? He goes, well, it's a good basketball school, you know, good, good school. <laughs> and I started following it. And you remember Kelvin Bryant, they had uh, North Carolina had Kelvin Bryant. That was his senior year, and they were number three in the country. And I said, wow, these guys are pretty good. And so I, you know, kind of had a great time following their progress. And then, you know, getting on that first flight for my official visit, you know, I remember landing at the Raleigh-Durham International Airport in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, boy, this is rural, man. This is really, you know, you're in the sticks here. Little did I know that it really wasn't the sticks. But, uh, you know, had a great time. I mean, had a great time at Duke, too. And between those, you know, to me, it was it was a gut-wrenching decision when you grow up with a certain destination on your mind all through childhood, only then to be presented with two alternatives that really made more sense. You know, you, you think with your head and you think with your heart. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you know, my head took over from my heart and said, you know, I think I'm going to go somewhere in North Carolina. And it came down to, you know, at the time, North Carolina was three in the country. And Duke hadn't won a game in a long time. I said, you know, I kind of want to go somewhere and win. Right. Uh, and that, that might not have been the best decision, uh, the best, uh, uh, you know, characterization of, of how you should make a decision. But I did, had a great time. Uh, of course, towards the end of our career, Duke was beating us. So maybe it wasn't the best decision. But <laughs> I don't regret it for a heart, uh, for a minute. And, uh, you know, met my wife there, met, you know, a lot of family members there. You know, I had a sister and a brother that actually wound up going to Chapel Hill also. So, right. The rest is history, and uh, it was a wonderful experience. That well, I you beat me to the punch. I was, was going to say, you know, you met your beautiful wife, Dr. Erica Steinbacher there, you know, and she was a college athlete as well, correct? She was a diver. Yep. That's yep. awesome. So we, we, we joke often that, you know, there's two types of sports in college. There's those that produce and those that consume. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I said it was always nice to be able to provide for you consuming sports. Of course, she hates that. That's her best. That's awesome. Now, was she in your stage combat class? Uh, no, but she did come and witness my ballet recital at the end of my uh, ballet class one summer school session. <laughs> we talked about that quite frequently. 
I love those stories. I mean, I bet Chapel Hill was, what, what years did you attend Chapel Hill? I was there 84 through 88. Okay, so you're a little bit older than me, which makes me feel good about myself. So, you know, so I'd have been in high school when you were at Chapel Hill. So I bet it was, I bet Franklin Street was rocking and rolling uh, back then. It was, and it was kind of weird because I don't, when we got there, the drinking age was actually 19. You could drink beer at age 19. And, you know, basically it never really stopped us from going to a bar and just getting in. I had a, I had a pretty sweet fake ID, <laughs> if I remember. And uh, so it really wasn't a big deal. But for some, I know, and this was my, my wife's only 10 days older than me, but she kind of fell into this birthday mix where she was actually legal for 10 days. And I remember the day it went from 19 to where it was 21 without any grandfather clause. And they rioted in the streets. I mean, they were, they were burning cars and burning tires and all that stuff. That was insane. You know, all because they couldn't drink beer. But of course, that never stopped us from drinking beer anyway. Right, right. That's awesome. And I, I always hear you talk about some of those bars that you went to in Chapel Hill. You know, the, the He's Not Here and the, there's another the library maybe. Well, it was Four Corners. Uh, Four Corners and He's Not, and, and at the time it was called Players. Uh, you know, He's Not was the dive bar, just the dive beer bar. Four Corners was the kind of sports uh, basketball bar. And then Players or Purdy's, it was Players and then Purdy's, was kind of the dance club. And that's where you got your, you know, the, the drink up there were the 64-ounce uh, Long Island iced teas. Ooh. <laughs> Lord. But um, yeah, those are, and then there was a bunch. There were a couple bars that as football players, we were forbidden to go into. Um, it's called Trolls. And uh, there's just, and you know, it's funny, Mike, some of them are still there. They're still there. And I mean, although I've been told that he's not here, just went through a somewhat of a renovation. It's literally as if you're walking in. I mean, your feet still stick to the floor in a lot of these. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, well, fast forward, you, you moved to, Char or to the Charlotte area. You were there for a while. Actually, you moved around quite a bit, correct? Well, we actually, uh, I spent a year in Charlotte, uh, about a year and a half, I guess. And then uh, as uh, my wife, you know, continued on through uh, medical school, we actually spent about three and a half years in Seattle. Yes. And uh, had a wonderful time. I did not want to leave. I loved it out there. Um, you know, my affinity for hot, humid weather, uh, you know, um, which doesn't exist in Seattle. The Pacific Northwest is, to me, although it may be a little rainy and overcast, I'll take that over the uh, 98, 100% humidity days of uh, North Carolina summers. Um, but we had a great time in Seattle. You know, that there was there was so much going out there that, you know, I had no clue about, um, you know, coffee and beer are probably the top two on that list. But uh, we had a great experience, loved every minute of it. You know, my wife worked hard through a residency, but we were able to do a lot, got out, you know, saw the sights, um, really took in as much of the natural beauty and the outdoor spaces that the Pacific Northwest had pretty much were able to host just about all of our friends and family over that three and a half years and had a great time, made great new friends. So it was a great experience. But again, the, the draw of family brought us back to the uh, back to the East Coast. I gotcha. Now, is Erica originally from Concord area or Charlotte? She's not. She's from uh, Bethesda, Maryland. Oh, so okay. DC area and uh, had a lot of great memories going up there. That's a fun town, you know, a lot going on. But 
Uh, her parents have since retired and now, you know, have lived down here hell, for the last 15, 20 years now. Right. I got you. I, I didn't realize that Erica was from DC. We probably could talk about like DC hardcore and punk music. I don't know if she was into that music back in those back in those days of the DC I don't hardcore. Think she's into the punk music, but she's got lots of stories of the Grease Man and all the uh, oh the yeah or uh, DC radio scene. Well, I mean Chambersburg. I mean where I grew up is two hours from DC. That's that's the stations we got on you know on aerial back in those days. Then cable and then you know. You could hook up the cable to your stereo and pick up DC radio. I used to listen to the Grease Man and Howard Stern. DC but, uh, 101, man. Love it. Love it. <laughs> WMMR and WISP. All <laughs> I hope my Philly my Philly fans were like, yeah, all my Philly friends were like, yeah, I remember, you know, they'll love your stories, man. But so you, you moved on to, you know, like I said, you've done a lot of different things. You were a classroom teacher for a couple of years at Robinson with us. You did uh, medical real estate sales. How did you settle? Like, why, why a beer why a beer brewery just you know dealership all that stuff why why that business if you're gonna drink so much of it you better as well yeah better try and make some money doing it so uh, <laughs> no i think you know mike the big thing for me is is you know and i'm still in the, the medical real estate business i still have a day job so the thing with the brewery is one of the things that that i remember vividly when we were in seattle going to some of these really cool craft breweries and you know they were big out there in the you know early to mid 90s not so much like they are today with tap rooms but it was just you know you go you tour the brewery you'd sit down you drink a couple you know samples and do some different things and then you would go home or go to a bar or restaurant and buy that beer and it was just kind of a cool you know it's, it's no different than when i was a kid going to bush gardens you know you all of a sudden you're like hey i've been to where they make this beer you know right and it was budweiser there's just an emotional tie to any product where you can kind of see where it comes from. Um, and then when we moved back here in the 90s, the uh, mid to late 90s, there were a few beers, excuse me, a few breweries popping up in and around Charlotte, uh, but but nothing great. Um, I mean, they were good breweries, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't like this place that you had to go to. Right. It wasn't this social destination. And so a lot of those breweries all kind of failed because you, you'll you never compete with Budweiser if it comes to price. And I guess it was about seven years ago, six, seven, maybe eight years ago, uh, along with some great friends that, that I live close to, you know, we would get in the car and drive down to Charlotte and there were maybe a handful of breweries, but the emphasis was really not so much, you know, let's brew the beer and sell it to the bars and restaurants. Let's brew the beer and actually go to a tap room. Let's, you know, let's kind of go to a big beer hall. And that's kind of what it's like in Europe. You know, when you go to some of these breweries and, and things over in Europe, it's a social thing. It's, it's, it's not something that, you know, it's just part of a meal or, you know, something you drink. It's you go and you hang out for a while. Right. And, you know, the beer gardens and the beer yeah. halls in Germany. And so, I mean, that's that was always something that I thoroughly enjoyed. We would do it quite a bit in Charlotte. And then I started asking the question, well, why aren't there any up here in Concord? You know, right. Why, why, why do... You know why does our area lack something that i think has great appeal and you know something that folks like us would drive half hour 45 minutes to go hang out at right i mean and that's where that's where my real estate kind of you know experience kicked in because well the zoning doesn't allow for it and you got to do this and you got it and i said well okay it's easy to sell something people want to buy so let's go through the process and, and change it up right and so that's well, kind of we did and we've, we've enjoyed it ever since i mean who doesn't like to hang out and drink beer i mean we used to do that at your house uh, over in carriage downs you used to live in carriage downs right 
I still do. Nice. Well, I remember going to your house and hanging out and drinking beer in your driveway, you know, before having the, you know, now we did the same thing this past year with the COVID. No one wanted to, ha- everyone wanted to hang out, but no one wanted to hang out in anyone's house. So we would have, we'd have driveway parties. We'd all have spread out in our driveways, but we used to do that at your house 15 years ago. You know what I mean? So. Well, to uh, me, I mean, beer is, beer is social. You know, I'd rather drink crap beer with great friends than the best beer in the world by myself. Right. Um, and so to me, that's just, that's just part of it all. Oh, I agree. Uh, and I love a good, I mean, I'm a big fan of American beer in a can. I like my, you know, and I, maybe I'm lowbrow, but I like PBR. I've always liked PBR since I was in high school. I like PBR. I like Coors Light. I mean, I like my beer in a can. So, you know, last time I was in, in Concord, uh, when my dad was in the hospital a couple of years ago, I was able to go to Harris Teeter, which I hadn't been to in years. You know, I left, I left in 2010 and I was able to pick up a six pack of the Cabarrus Brewing cotton blonde yep. and i had that as a sample like we've actually been to your brewery which i really appreciate that tour we still have the two glasses that you that we drank out of from the and they haven't been broken yet and that that's went through a move from alabama to kentucky so i'm proud of us there you, uh, go. you know what's your biggest seller that one cotton blonde i mean beer flavored beer you know i mean i think in this industry you have two two different types of customers those that want the same thing every time they come in much like right. you're Yep. And then those that want something different every time they come in. And so it, it's a balancing act. And I would say probably 75% of the people typically want a, a, a beer that they know what it's going to taste like and they're comfortable with it. Right. And then 25% that said, give me something new. Give me something different. And uh, it's a challenge, but, you know, we do what we can. I got you. Well, you know, I remember I meant to mention this earlier, but you're talking about the research, you know, the different one of the different places. Like I follow you on Facebook and some of the places you've been to do quote unquote research. I mean, you've been to Germany and you've been to Oktoberfest, correct? Absolutely. And where else have you been? Like anywhere else international besides Germany that you've got to research your uh, beer trade? I mean, you know, you look at the beer meccas, you've got obviously Germany. Uh, We spent a lot of time in Belgium. Um, it was fun. Michael actually did a semester in Germany. Um, his, the latter, you know, his senior year, junior year in college. And, uh, we, we went over there and spent three weeks and we hit, you know, lots of belt, lots of cities in, uh, in, you know, Brussels and Bruges. And these are all, you know, famous beer, beer meccas. Obviously I've been to Germany five or six times and usually it's all revolving around beer. Uh, (laughs) You know, you, 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 we've been to London, you know, uh, England is not known for its beer, but there's some good old old school beers over in London uh, and, and uh, in uh, in England. But then Ireland, you know, you go to Ireland, you drink Guinness. I mean, Guinness is, is synonymous with Ireland and the pubs and everything in Dublin. It's just a wonderful time. So, you know, we've we've kind of done a lot of it. The, the We had had plans to do another trip this past spring and hit a lot of Eastern Europe, like uh, the Czech Republic and, wow. uh, you know, um, those areas, which again, are also very, very, you know, beer centric um, parts of the world, but obviously that didn't happen. So hopefully next year we'll be heading over there and, and having a good time with it. That is awesome. And, and you've been all over the United States. Have you been to all 50 states? You know, I, 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 saw, I, I tried to do that thing the other day where, you know, you check on, you know, states you've been to, somebody, somebody said, you know, was was floating the thing around i think i've been to just about all there may be a couple i've never been to i don't think i've ever been to new mexico i don't think i've ever been to uh where i've been to south dakota i don't think i've been to north dakota and i may not have been to arkansas (laughs) arkansas that may be it 
we have some we have some friends from the beach that we met a couple years ago that we've all been going to the beach together every year that are from Arkansas. So I don't know if they listen to the, but my man, Ryan Pianal to the guy's a damn artisan when it comes to like metallurgy, like he can make, you give him a piece of rebar, he can come back with like a bow tie. It's amazing. But, um, so, you know, uh, what's the chances that you could come sample some of the wares here in Kentucky? I'd like to maybe tr- introduce you to the bourbon industry. Oh, no need to introduce. I, I'd love to come actually again, <laughs> Last Christmas, I gave uh, to my two sons, Michael and Ethan. And Michael came up to me once, I guess this was maybe a year ago, and said, Dad, no offense, but I like bourbon more than I like beer. And I said, hey, I respect that. Don't worry about it. So, you know, I was never really a big bourbon drinker. I am now. I mean, he's got me into it because he's kind of bringing me along. So last year for Christmas, I got both Michael and Ethan and myself the uh the, uh, the what's it called the thistle and the stave it's like a certification process that you go through uh, in Kentucky to become a bourbon certified you know steward if you will and of course that all got put on hold due to COVID um, I look forward to getting that back on the books and doing the bourbon tour um, you know getting back to Buffalo Trace and Four Rolls and oh, all these places so I, it, there ain't no convincing necessary. It's just a matter of once all this COVID crap gets behind us. Right. And my ass is on our way to Kentucky and we'll have to connect for sure. Uh, oh, well, let me tell you what, I'm, you know, I know you haven't really listened to too much of my podcast, but I actually have two episodes. Uh, I think it's episode seven and eight. One's called The Bourbon Trail. One of my good friends, Brian Durbin, who's a bourbon guy, you know, he's a former teacher and I worked together, but he's a bourbon guy. And then we did a bourbon palooza where we actually sat down and did a bourbon tasting and it was me my brother-in-law charlie amy's brother and then my buddy brian durbin who was my guest on that other episode and another guy named keith uh temple and we did a a blind taste and amy poured like you know four samples of each bourbon that we brought and we had to you know which ones we liked best and then she revealed what it was really cool episode but you know i was never a bourbon guy until we moved to kentucky you know and i've acquired a taste so you know what's your favorite brand of bourbon uh Stiney, I mean, heck. I mean, again, it's obviously, you know, it's great when you can find that bottle of Bland's every now and then. Um, I've enjoyed uh, Basil Hayden. I mean, I've got good, you know, some of that. I've, I enjoy Four Roses. I'm a little uh, biased, though, in that there is actually a, a nice distillery here in Cabarrus County, uh, out in Mount Pleasant, a good friend. Uh, she established this distillery about the same time we started the brewery. Um, it's called um, Southern Grace, and it's actually located in the old Cabarrus County prison that was once in uh, outside of Mount Pleasant. Yeah. Um, and actually, I'm, I'm a small investor in that, so it's hard it's hard to, to not pick a bourbon that you have an ownership interest in. Um, but they do a great job. It's a lot of fun to go out there, you know. But again, you know, bourbon is a lot like beer. You know, what one person thinks is crap, the other person thinks is cream. Right. I love them all. I mean, you know, obviously some are different, some are smoother, some are not as smooth, but there's just a, there's just a lot that goes into, in, into a good, a good sipping, you know, glass of bourbon. I understand. Well, I mean, uh, now is it, do they consider themselves Kentucky bourbons? But they, well, again, I, you know, it, I think if you're in Kentucky, it's, it's hearsay to call yourself bourbon if you're not in Kentucky, but right. Yes. I mean, it is a, it is a bourbon, you know, they're using oak barrels once and nice. Uh, doing some you know it meets all of the qualifications and or characteristics and definitions to be called bourbon uh, and they do a good job i mean they it, it, and it's been one of those things you know obviously unlike in the beer industry although the beer industry you know you got to wait anywhere from two weeks to four weeks to 
actually sample and drink the product you're making. You know, bourbon, you got to wait a three, four years until you really start getting right. the, your labor. And so they're just now coming out with some really good, you know, barrel aged uh, products that, that hmm. you know, are, are worthy of, of consideration. Well, uh, I would like to sample some of that. So maybe next time, maybe when you come to Kentucky, you would bring me a, I'll be uh, happy to handle you, that. You send me your address. I may covertly send you a bottle. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, now here's an idea. Now that you have it, maybe you should take some of your beer and store it in their leftover bourbon barrels and have like a bourbon flavor beer. Like I know there's a, brand in Kentucky they have it. it's called like Kentucky Ale and it, they store it in bourbon used bourbon barrels for X amount of weeks or whatever then they've served the beer that's how they do it so might be an idea for you Steiny you know well, Shatter, uh, I, I'll never say you know you didn't come up with an idea but we've been doing that for about two years now <laughs> I think I've got about 45 barrels sitting in our warehouse now we actually just pulled a whole bunch of stout out of uh, probably about five or six barrels uh, that's been in there for it was about 20 months and uh, they they, put a whole bunch of, they did a whole bunch of different variants. You know, one was cherry chocolate. I think they've got a Nutella stout, barrel aged stout. We we've done the barrel aged thing and 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 do it. You know, do it pretty well. I mean, that's a niche. You know, I mean, right. It's one of those things that you know, if you do it, you know, you you don't want to pigeonhole yourself into being a bourbon or barrel aged brewery only. Right. But I understand. We, we, we've done it, and and you know, again, some of them. They're good, but I'll tell you what, you know, even though they empty these barrels, there's always a good bit of bourbon left in them. Mm -hmm. And you, know, you, you put a beer that's 10%, you know, alcohol, ABV into those barrels, and then you pull it out a year later, it's it'll knock your socks off in some cases. <laughs> Which ain't a bad thing, just be prepared. That's, that's right. Well, I was hoping to get it on the ground floor of a great idea, but you already beat me to the punch. So, you know, congratulations, you know. Yeah. What do I, I'm always a day late and a dollar short, Steiny, but. Never. So, Lately, I've noticed you've done a lot of burger tours. There's some sort of burger. What's what's this burger competition that it looks so delicious? It's funny. So every year in Cabarrus County, we have what's called the Convention and Visitors Bureau, and they do a great job promoting, you know, tourism and, and whatnot here in Cabarrus County. And a lot of it's driven by motorsports, you know, the Speedway, and right? Some of the other attractions. But every year, they've always sponsored Cabarrus Restaurant Week. And so, um, you know, and all the restaurants will have certain dishes and it's just a way to, to, to showcase the local, you know, food and beverage establishments. But this year, obviously, you know, we're still under some of these restrictions and, you know, a, a large number of the, the population are still a little hesitant to go out. So in order to come up with something, they, they decided to do this burger madness, which was, it was funny. They, they said anything between two buns, you know, if you want to do a burger that's fine if you want to do a chicken thing that's fine if you want to do some type of vegan option that's fine of course everyone of the restaurants that are participating in this have done a burger so mm -hmm. there's no no vegan options and no poultry or anything along those lines so, <laughs> but it's been fun and of course it, it's gotten to be a joke now where i'll post a picture you know to support the hashtag and then somebody else will challenge me to do the next one and vice versa so as always, it, it's kind of one of those viral things that has now taken off and uh, been a lot of fun. We have a good time with it. But again, I think the the, the intent, which was to promote, you know, the restaurants and, and some of those establishments that could really use a shot in the arm through COVID, it's worked like a charm. And That's I awesome. expect a lot of kind of cool variants, you know, whether it's wing madness, pizza madness, or barbecue madness sometime here in the future. 
I hear you. Well, what a, what a lucky gig. I wish someone would ask me to be like, we want you to be the official burger eater and, you know, come taste our burgers. That'd be a great job. So maybe I can angle something like that. You always seem to fall ass backwards into, into a good deal, Steiner. You are very lucky. You know, you're a very, very lucky man. But uh, so what's next for Cabarrus Brewery? What's what's going on? Like, what's the future holding for it for you guys? Well, I think the, the as I've said, you know, our priority, number one, is you know, to continue to be disciplined to get through COVID. You know, our, our revenues obviously have been significantly impacted. Uh, you know, we're very fortunate that we, we haven't had to furlough people. We, we've been able to keep everybody employed. Awesome. Um, which has been, you know, our priority. I mean, last year at this time, we were sitting around my fire pit in my backyard saying, okay, the governor's about to close everything down. What are we going to have to do to, to, to survive this? And I would have never imagined that we've been able to get through it as well as we have. Um, you know, uh, yeah, there's a lot of government money flowing in the form of these paycheck protection program deals. Right. But still, you know, we, we've kept everybody employed, uh, which has been good. So our priority is let's get through this. And hopefully by the end of May, into June, definitely by July, that any such restrictions that we're currently under will no longer be in place. So, you know, once we get through that, then it's our goal. There's so much that we have here in Concord on our little campus. And, and you've been here. It's probably hard for your your listeners. But, you know, we're in an old textile mill. It's a cool space. Lots of open spaces that we can expand into. You know, we want to up our food game, you know, yes. do more food, do more music. Um, you know, although we're a brewery, we really view ourselves more as a destination, you know, entertainment. Right. I mean, and we want you to come here if you don't like beer, if you don't even drink alcohol. Come here because it's a family friendly place. You can get good food. You know, there's always going to be something going on in the form of either an event or music or something. When the weather's nice, let's spread things outside. Again, make this more of a community destination, a, a default community destination. And, and you know, we want to grow that way. Um, so, you know, that's that's our priority after, you know, kind of getting through COVID. And then, of course, as always, you know, from an entrepreneurial perspective, you always have all sorts of stuff on the drawing board. And, you know, what about this? What should we look at here? So we've got lots of ideas that are on the drawing board and, and we'll see how things evolve and, and, and work out. But, you know. We're having fun. I mean, that's it's incredible. I mean, the, just the growth you guys have had in, in five years. But I feel like you guys have been open for ten. You know, I just feel like I, I wish I wish you guys would have been open fifteen years ago. Because I mean, that's Sometimes probably what it we feels like fifteen. <laughs> well, yeah, I, that's all good. Time well, flies, man. I know a certain podcast that would love to have a sponsorship deal with uh, Cabarrus Brewing. And all I asked for is maybe like a 12 pack of uh, Cotton Blonde every once in a while floated my way. Otherwise, I don't ask for much, but you know. Have your um, people talk to my people and we'll get that, <laughs> we'll get that deal linked right away. I mean, I, I, I've already, pri- I already found the, mute, the background. Mute. I'm going to work, I'm going to work on a demo for you, like a commercial demo. And I'm going to surprise you with it. So just hang tight on that. But um, uh so I lost my train of thought there, Stein. I was so worried about getting that beer in the mail, you know. So <laughs> it's Friday. I mean, you know, it's Friday morning. Bourbon. I owe you bourbon too. Yes, that's right. So I, I don't. When, when I'm done recording this, don't get off the line. I want to make sure you get my address so we can work out something. But anyways, I mean, uh, what's your food plan? I mean, I, 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 you interest me. Like, are you going to have tater tots on the menu? Well, I think the whatever you do, food. And again, my you know. I am a huge fan of all the Food Network shows and all that other stuff. And the one thing that I've always learned is, you know, it doesn't matter what you do, whatever you do, do it extremely well. You know, high quality is as important as anything. So, you know, to me, 
um, you know, we really want to focus on a, a pretty simple menu, good creative burgers, brats, you know, just good beer food, things right. that well with beer. Not have a lot of them, but just do them high quality, high quality ingredients, high quality meats, you know, you name it, just do the best you can. And then supplement that, even though, you know, we're, we're getting ready to build a kitchen. And, you know, we've actually, for the last three years, have owned a food truck. So we have a truck that kind of does a lot of that, but we've maxed out <clears throat> what we can get out of a food truck. But the beauty of, of what we can do is, you know, we'll have our own little menu going off of, uh, out of our kitchen. But then we'll supplement that with some cool different things with food trucks. I mean, there's there's tremendous, you know, Mexican, Vietnamese, mm. Asian, uh, Cajun. I mean, there's just, you know, food trucks. It's just, it's kind of like, you know, a, a mobile food court. And so we'll still do that, you know, just kind of, especially on weekends when, you know, we got a lot of people here. Right. You know, I think quality in terms of what we do and then variety in terms of supplementing it with other really, you know, reputable high quality food trucks that's our plan i hear you and get some bands like you know uh, we were talking in our pre-production meeting this morning that you know I, I interviewed john sullivan uh earlier this week and you know he's played that Cabarrus brewing you know so now he's going from being you know on the voice during covid now he's out of covid you know or out of that off the voice and all that now i'm sure he can't wait to get back there and play the Cabarrus brewing and live music i mean that's i love nothing beats live music cold beer and a good hot dog i'm 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 straight i would be totally happy you know? What else is there in life? <laughs> Maybe a pretzel, a good salty, soft pretzel. Yes. Uh, okay. I can I can live with that. I mean, there was a, a tater tots would be top it off. Just tater tots, nothing on them, just plain old tater tots, a little bit of salt. Love it. You know, there was a there was a place in Montgomery, Alabama called the Tipping Point, and they were kind of like the same concept as you guys. They were craft beers, but they didn't brew their own. But they had the best hot dogs in Montgomery, Alabama. I got you should get the best Chicago dog with the oh, pickle yeah. and the celery salt. Oh, it was amazing. So, yep. if you know, uh, the Schatzer the Schatzer trio would be tater tots and a good hot dog and a cold beer for like ten bucks would be you know awesome, or fifteen bucks would be ideal. Yep. Oh, I agree. <laughs> Get me hungry, man. <laughs> uh, well, it, it is Friday during Lent, so I'm, I'm gonna have to go meatless. I guess I'll make a tuna salad today, but you know, enjoy it. I can't, I might have a beer though, because it is the first Friday of the NCAA tournament, you know, so maybe I'll, I'll take a half day and, uh, and watch basketball today. I don't know, but so you're excited. Any chance of expanding into other markets? I mean, like, how can I buy beer? How can I buy Cabarrus Brewing beer if I live in Louisville, if I live in LaGrange, Kentucky? How can I buy your beer? Well, you know, Mike, the challenge is, is what one of the things that has made craft beer so popular is its local element, you know, and, and, and it's kind of one of these weird industries that sometimes the further you get away from your home, the less relevant it becomes. Again, right. I think you know Cabarrus County and, and you're one of the few people outside of Cabarrus County that can pronounce Cabarrus County. <laughs> um, you know, it, it amazes me that, you know, and even, even in my own travels, if I were to coming to see you in Kentucky, the first thing I do if I went to a local bar and restaurant is I would look for the local beer. Right. You know, that's just to, you know, if I'm traveling anywhere, I, I and even though there are some great craft beers that you can get anywhere, you know, whether they be Sierra Nevada or New Belgium or Oscar Blues, and they're typically on tap everywhere. Right. I'm gonna seek out the local product. Let me right. try the local product first. And so that's, you know, that's kind of a, it's just one of the nuances. And to be honest, I think that's what has made so many breweries 
uh, capable of actually, you know, staying in business is that people, when traveling, look for the local product. Right. So we would love to expand, but again, at the end of the day, you got to be realistic in that, you know, how far can Cabarrus County's uh, brewery have relevance in, in other markets? Right. When at the end of the day, you know, we take pride in our beer. I mean, it's good, but it's really no better than a lot of other people. You know, some people may have a personal preference that, hey, this beer is really good. Can I get it here? Right. I guarantee you there's going to be another beer that's made locally that's just probably as good. And if not the same, it might be better. Right. Just It's just one of those things that, you know, beer is emotional. With all things being equal, I'll buy the local product. Yeah. And for us, you know, to, to distribute our products further from our home starts getting more expensive. And, I understand. And, it, you know, beer is not something that is easily shipped. And so it's just, you know, any expansion plans for us, A, will be within our core neighborhood here, our market. And if, you know, I've got a cousin that lives in Knoxville and he really wants to start a brewery. Yeah, maybe do something out here in conjunction, out there in conjunction with him. Um, but it would kind of be, you know, something that we would do separate or independent of Cabarrus Brewing. Right. The, uh, the big boys, you know, the, the, the um, Sierra Nevadas, the Oscar Blues, even the, uh, you know, Sam Adams. You know, Sam Adams sales outside of truly seltzer are flat they're not selling a whole lot more beer and you know i think that as a a marketplace the 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 consumption of beer is actually going down um more people are drinking seltzers more people are drinking wine more people are drinking bourbon bourbon you know right there's only so much alcohol that we as a society can consume um and i think you find that a lot of people you know some people aren't drinking at all i mean i think there's a health movement you know, where either people are drinking less or yeah. they're not drinking at all. And so, you know, it's it, as, as it relates to a business, you know, you have to be realistic in your growth, which is, again, why if if I look at what our priorities are, they aren't yet. Yeah, we want to sell more beer, but we want to engage more people and sell them whatever we're selling in addition to our beer here in Cabarrus County. I mean, it's 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 an entertainment thing. It's not necessarily a beer thing. I got you. That's a great, that's a great business plan because some companies try to expand too quick. So if I have to come to Cabarrus County to get my get a case of beer, I'll do that. I mean, or let's you know, get somehow get it shipped. But I think it's a great plan. I mean, you're, you're staying true to your roots. I mean, you're a local Concord, North Carolina business. And if you know anyone ever goes to Concord to go watch a race, I yep. say, you know I recommend go to Cabarrus Brewing. It's right down in. Now I would say downtown Concord, but it's on the main drag on 29, you know, great location. Uh, and there's all kinds of things around you guys there too. So, well, uh, I think you bring up a good point, you know, go to the race, um, you know, motorsports and Charlotte motor speedway is a huge part of Cabarrus County. It's the 600 pound gorilla, you know, from day one, we've worked very closely with Charlotte motor speedway. We brewed a number of different beers specifically for the speedway. And it's those partnerships in addition to, you know, it, it, back in the day, in your recollection, it was the Intimidators. Now it's the Cannonballers. Right. The baseball team. You know, we have a beer. We have a great partnership with both Charlotte Motor Speedway and the uh, Kannapolis Cannonballers to do those things. I mean, go to the game and drink one of our beers that is made specifically for the Cannonballers or, you know, one of the beers that we brewed specifically for the Charlotte Motor Speedway. So th those are huge growth opportunities. That's awesome. Them partner with those venues that are just synonymous with Cabarrus County.
What a, that's a neat idea. I mean, so what's the Cannonballers beer like? It's awesome. It's just a, it's a good hot weather drinking lager. You know, it's called baller beer. Um, it's, 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 uh, you know, a, a lager that's light, you know, it's only 4.7, 4.8% alcohol. And, you know, sometimes you go to those games in, in August, it's hotter than hell. And yeah. A heavy IPA isn't really what you want. So. <laughs> But we had tremendous success with it. You know, last year was the first, uh, last season, last spring, summer, was supposed to be the first year in the new ballpark. And I don't know if you've been to downtown Kannapolis in a while, Mike, but I have not. It, it radically changed. And so they built a brand new, uh, beautiful ballpark right downtown Kannapolis. Uh, it was going to be the kickoff, you know, inaugural season of the new, uh, new ballpark. Of course, there was no minor league baseball last year. And yet they still opened up the ballpark. They've got a, you know, a, a great concession and food service thing going. And they've got a beautiful bar in right field. They sold a crazy amount of beer without baseball. That's awesome. Hopefully this May, you know, right now they're slated to have a season, you know, uh, with albeit reduced capacity. But we're excited to be a part of it. And they're, they're great partners of ours. So we're excited about it for them. That's incredible, man. So what did they do with the old stadium? Uh, it's still still there. I think they've kind of sent out proposals for you know some type of either redevelopment in terms of a maybe a youth you know facility or just the property itself. Right, that'd be a great youth facility. I mean, AAU baseball the is new huge. Ballpark is spectacular. I would suggest you Google Atrium Health Ballpark, and it's it's impressive. I've seen a lot of people like posting pictures like, hey, at the ballpark, and you know, it's a good, you know, I was like, oh, they're at the, maybe, so that's, a, what a great business. I mean, that's the thing about, I know this whole COVID quarantine has been, you know, tragic for our country and all that, but it's made people develop new plans to be successful. People that really want to be successful have to reinvent themselves. They're not really, re so like you guys aren't really reinventing yourself. You're just doing things to make sure, like you said before, to keep your business afloat. And I think it's a great idea. I mean, what a great partnership. So what's the beer like for the Speedway? Uh, well, we did we did a, a like kind of a gold ale in celebration of the 600, and then we brewed an old school. I don't want to use the word Jenny Cream Ale kind of thing, but an old cream ale uh, that they actually called Redneck Hill, which was a uh, a feature within the infield of uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway. So, um, and we, you know, we've had a lot of fun with that. Again, that you know, COVID has kind of slowed things down a little bit, uh, but I look forward to getting back together with them. Uh, both, you know, both the ballpark, which again, like I said, hopefully baseball soon, and then Speedway with racing returning. Uh, there's lots of lots of good stuff. And again, I think, you know, you, you said re reinvent. I, the, the word is pivot. A lot of businesses have pivoted, right? Uh, and, and you know, did what they had to do, but also I think learned a lot about their business in ways that should benefit them if they're smart post COVID. It's funny you use that word pivot because I was watching a show the other day on the History Channel on the men that shaped America, like with foods. And the dude that owned uh, Pabst, his brother took over the business and he used, he said, we're going to pivot our business. And he totally, and he used that phrase. And all I could think of was pivot from uh, friends. So it's funny you use that business. So I'm getting an economics lesson. Although I'm social studies certified, I'm learning economics today. So it's a great economics lesson for our, for our audience. It's uh, a good day all around. When we yes. Learn. So, you know, if you're going to, a, if we're going to a dive bar, Steine, what's the, all they serve is canned beer, domestic. What are you ordering? Uh, whatever's cold. <laughs> uh, you know, hell, I I will never say no to any beer. Um, you know, again, I think we talked about PBR as a great beer. I, I am not a beer snob, man. If I'm if I'm going into to a good dive bar with you, Mike, 
I don't give a rat's ass what I'm drinking. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's all about people, who you're drinking it with. That's, that's right. We, we're both PA boys. So, you know, growing up in Chambersburg back in the late 80s, early 90s, we drank Yingling and Yingling, Rolling Rock, a box of rock. You know, and I remember when I lived in Charlotte, I guess like 97, Yingling was introduced to the Charlotte area. And I'm like, yes. Like my parents used to bring, used to bring me down Yingling when they'd come visit me. And I remember that, you know, and then they were selling it at bars for like three fifty for a pint. I'm like, y'all are charging import prices for a domestic American beer, this oldest brewery, you know? And they're like, well, it's new. And I'm like, you sons of bitches. I was so mad that, you know, I grew up drinking Yingling, just regular Yingling beer, Yingling Pilsner. And then, you know, lager was a, you know, was a, was a, a treat beer, you know, Yingling Lager was a treat. And I like Lager Light, you know, so uh, I love those beers. I mean, I always have, grew up drinking Yingling, but grew up drinking Old Milwaukee. Like my dad, my cousins all drink Old Milwaukee, you know. If it was cheap and cold, who cared? That's right, that's right. Yeah, I, mean, I just think it shows you the, the, the progression of the South. First Yingling shows up on store shelves, then Tasty Cakes. <laughs> And now we have Taylor. We now we got Taylor Pork Roll in the store. So wow, I mean, you know, yeah, it, it, we're we're getting there, man. That the great cultural and culinary, uh, you know, um, mainstays of the North are slowly trickling down here into the South. Well, I you know people living here in Louisville. I guess people here consider themselves Southerners. You know, although we were a, a Union state during the Civil War, and we're not, not going to talk about that. But I still consider parts of Kentucky kind of like Midwest, but that's just me. But you know, I did make a shepherd's pie for dinner for for St. Patrick's Day on Wednesday. I saw that picture. I saw that picture. You know, it's so I'm slowly bringing some 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 northern foods down here. I'd love to bring some some North Carolina beer here. So next time, you know, if we meet, and you know, Amy sends her regards. She she hates that she's not around because. Usually when I do interviews in the evening, she likes to get on and just chit chat with the with the guest if she knows them for a few minutes and then, but she's at work, you know, she's working for a living. So she sends her regards. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that before the end of the episode. So it's not if it's when, it's not if it's when and and give her my best. Same to uh, Luke and Grant. Yes, definitely. Um, But so, you know, I'm excited for Cabarrus Brewing. You've done a lot in five years. And like you said, you have a real day job. So, you know, I asked you earlier, what's your, what's your title? You said the founder and managing partner. So how big is your partnership group? Uh, there's eight of us, eight of us. And, and you know, uh, a couple of them are, are longtime friends, uh, good guys. Uh, two of them are individuals who work day in and day out in the brewery that, you know, were instrumental in getting us to where we are today. So it's a good group. It's a good group. And I think we're all in it for the right reasons and, and, and all take a great deal of pride in what we've been able to accomplish in the community. Right. Uh, you know, in the five years we've been open, I've made more great friendships with people in this community that I would have never, even after having lived here 20 years. Right. It's amazing, you know, how, uh, and it just gives you the opportunity to get involved. I mean, even as, as rewarding as coaching and teaching was, it was a very limited sphere, I guess, that I would get involved with. Not that there was anything wrong with that, but the brewery has opened up that sphere of individuals that I've been able to develop a relationship with significantly. Right. So I bet you're having a good time with that. Who's the most famous person that's been to Cabarrus Brewing? Hmm. That's a good question. No, we've had, we've had, you know, like Bubba Wallace was here not that long ago. I'm trying to get him on my show. So I'm glad you mentioned him. You know, I see him. He's, he's been there a few times. Uh, I'm trying to think, you know, I'm sure there have been a number of people here that I didn't even know we're here um 
you know, just lots of good local folks, uh, you know, whether they be Panthers or, uh, you know, guys from the Hornets. Again, there's just no telling who's been here. That's awesome. Well, like I said, it's a destination. So, I mean, people want to go there. I mean, I would love to come and just hang out, check out a good Vietnamese uh, food truck and have a cold beer on a Friday night. Just and not stay all night. Just go do that from six to eight. You know, bring the kids. Bring now. The boys. If you leave now, you'll probably be here right in time. <laughs> what a great idea. But Steiny, I mean, you know, it, it's been so great catching up with you. We've been friends for a long time since, you know, we were both on Tony Paroli's staff at J.M. Robinson. Yeah. You know, I'm friends with a lot of our former players on Facebook. Yep. And, you know, I, I you know, remember people like Brock South and, and, <laughs> and, you know, Caleb Allen. You know, we were talking the other day about eating tacos. And I was like, you don't want to eat any of that greasy taco meat. Like, oh, Caleb Allen, remember he used that old greasy taco me excuse Caleb me. Caleb's in here all the time with his kids Caleb Andrew Ulrich yep. um, you know just like I said you know it was great to see Will Salt Fen Allen you know that, that that whole crowd man they're all just great great kids and great you know great men right now right so it just always shocks me to see them in here drinking beer with their kids when literally it seems like yesterday you and I were coaching them up. <laughs> I agree. It's amazing. I mean, we got we have former students. You know, John Sullivan is like 33 years old. I'm like, dude, I said, I remember you weren't even the original Sully. Your sister Jackie was the original Sully. And then he played, you know, JV baseball for us. And, you know, uh, he was a swimmer. And, you know, the, seeing all these our kids growing up and hopefully tuning into our show and listening to Steiny. And oh, I remember Coach Steinbacher. I guarantee all rich those guys. How about we say this, Steiny? I'm going to put it on my tab. For every person that mentions that they heard you on Shatzer Says Podcast, they get a free pint on me. That's done deal. Okay. So Don't find me though. They got to find me. Yeah, they got to find Steining. He's only there from 115 to 130 on Thursdays. So I'm there, I'm there a lot more than you think. You just <laughs> I'm usually sitting at a table in the corner somewhere drinking. Right. Beer. So any listeners who's listening to this and are making going to Cabarrus Brewery, you got to find Steve Steinbacher, the handsome devil with the silver hair. Yeah. a you know big lug that he is and say i heard you on shatzer says podcast where's my free pint damn it and you know nothing expensive though i gotta keep it under you know <laughs> just put it on my tab don't so, you worry but it's so good talking to you and i'm so happy for your business and so happy for the steinbacher family your parents are well uh well, you know i'm still pissed at your brother brian though just because he left me a trap one time at the coaches clinic in Greensboro. He used the bathroom and then didn't tell anyone there was no toilet paper left in the commode. And I was like, that son of a bitch. So you should, you should make that grievance clear, man. That, that's wrong. <laughs> well, you know, he was, he was on his phone. He's like, Hey coach, you know, you kind of, maybe he recognized me. Maybe he didn't, but you know, I've only met Brian a few times. Is he still in Carolina? Uh, that's Rick. Rick. Rick, is Rick. Yep. 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 Oh yeah. He's still there. That's awesome. That's, I mean, it's what a connection. I mean, Philly guys, mainliners, settling down in, in the Tar Heel State and making a home of it. So, any, what's your retirement destination, Stein? Are you going to stay in Carolina the rest of your life or are you going to move? Yeah, to yeah, I don't see going anywhere. I mean, get a nice little place up in the mountains and just kind of bebop all over the place. I got you. I, I do miss Oak Island. That was our beach spot. Amy and I loved going to Oak Island. That was yep. our, our first beach destination. Now we go down to the Gulf Coast. We but, always Emerald Isle every year as a group, so we'll keep doing that too. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad you guys are doing well, Steiny. Don't don't sign off before we're done, before I'm done recording. But you know, best of luck to you. And I'm serious. Will you? When are you coming to Kentucky? We will set it up. Yep. I can. You know, if you like Buffalo Trace is my brand of bourbon. I love Buffalo Trace. Have you ever been to Kentucky? We uh, 
Davidson played Moorhead City not that long ago, and so we we got out there a couple times. But Moorhead State, more excuse me, Moorhead State. But we really, you know, never got a chance to spend much time in Kentucky. So I look forward to it. Well, that's awesome. We'll set up a tour. Uh, you know, Erica and y'all are welcome to stay with us. But if you want to get a hotel room, that's fine too. But we set something up. We are Amy would be ecstatic if the Steinbachers spent any time in the state of in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Let's get it. And we'll go do some bourbon tours and try out some beers. And you know, Fall City beer is pretty good. It's a local Louisville beer. It's pretty good. I mean, sure it I, is. I don't go to bars very often, but if I do, you know, I might. If we go to a ball game and we have the Louisville Bats. They're the AAA affiliate for the Reds here in town. So, you know, I, I'm Fall City is served there, just like you guys are with the baseball Canapa. So that's a great partnership. Um, we look forward to it. We'll make it happen. It's not if, it's when. I got you. Well, thanks again for being on Shatzer Says. Everybody, this is Steve Steinbacher from Cabarrus Brewing. If you're a Concord native or if you are living or going through Concord ever, please stop and support his, his brewery. Great beer. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Cotton Blonde. I, I did like the, uh, the uh, Ale. That was a good beer as well. Um, I thoroughly enjoy that. I, I want to work on a, a sponsorship deal with you guys, but I do like the Red Hill Amber Ale. That was a good beer as well. So we can work something out. But Stani, thanks again for joining me and uh, share this to all your friends. Please link it on your on your company website, on your Facebook page. You know, I want to give this. This is all about Cabarrus Brewing. I really enjoy having you on the show, man. Thanks again. Hey, thank you, Mike. I appreciate it, buddy. All right, bud. So there you have it, my long overdue conversation with Cabarrus Brewing managing partner and founder Steve Steinbacher. Please go out and support Cabarrus Brewing if you're in the Charlotte metro area, whether you live there or passing through. And if you find Steve Steinbacher at the brewery and you tell him that you heard about him on my podcast, you get a free pint on me. So please take advantage of that. Uh, have a great weekend. Enjoy the first round of the NCAA tournament this year after not having it last year. Everyone have a great weekend. Love your family. Uh, hug up on everybody. And remember, you don't have to go home, but you can stay here. Have a great weekend, everybody.